0: You're listening to Rock Your Wedding Biz. This is episode number four. Today's topic is pricing. Let's go.
1: Welcome to the Rock Your Wedding Biz podcast with your hosts, wedding planner and educator, Renee Dallow, and blogger and social media strategist, Mindy Marzek. Listen in as they bring you the best, brightest, and most honest industry advice on the internet. Their mission is to help you, wedding rock star, work smarter, not harder, Hope you're ready, because it's time to Rock Your Wedding Biz.
0: Hello, everyone. This is Mindy. Uh, welcome to Rock Your Wedding Biz podcast. We're here with Renee Dallow, as always. Hi, everybody. And today we have a really super fun topic. Whoop whoop! <laughs> We're going to talk about pricing. Everybody's favorite topic. Oh, everyone just loves talking about money. Right. Not no. Really. We're wrong? All right, well, <laughs> just us. Just us, I guess. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, it's funny. Everyone feels awkward about talking about pricing, but in our Tuesday's together meetings every month, no matter what the topic, we end up talking about pricing. Yeah. So true. there's a real need for it, I think.
0: I think, and I I'm one of those people who's an open book, like I do an income report on my blog uh, for my blogging revenue, and I've been doing it for years because when I first started blogging, I didn't know what was happening. I didn't know how people made money. I didn't know how much money I was supposed to be making or supposed to be charging. And so I turned to other people's income reports and they were really helpful for me. So I figured, well, if other people are going to do it and I'm going to benefit from it, then I'll you know, give back to the blogging community and do my own. So I've always been an open book about pricing and you know sharing what I charge and sharing my revenue intake and I wish that more people in all self-employed industries were more like that I love your blogging income reports and I'm
2: not even a blogger anymore I just think it's a it's so transparent of you to do it it's also so fascinating in the different ways that you make money because you're not just relying on one income stream
0: yeah and I most bloggers don't and, um, don't worry, this isn't going to be an episode all about blogging, but I just, I, I, I'm, I, I'm really, I really love the way that some people in the blogging community are very transparent about how they make money. And I've definitely had bloggers who've come up to me and said, Hey, I learned about this company, this advertising company, this affiliate company through your report. And now I'm signed up for them and they're great to work with. And that makes me happy I feel like there's enough to go around. Yeah. And I actually signed up for affiliates from uh from one of your
2: income reports i mean years ago but still i was like oh that i yeah. could actually do that for my clients like i could be an affiliate for oh, that yeah. company or that uh you know bridesmaid dress rental company and yes. so it's been great for me as well oh that's well, good to hear you. yeah well you're welcome good night Thanks, everybody <laughs> and we're done <laughs> no. pricing is such a loaded topic and you know like we said i i run the tuesdays together Meetups in Los Angeles East, and Mindy is our social media chair for the Tuesdays Together groups in Los Angeles. So all, all four of the groups, and um, it's really interesting that almost pretty much always, no matter what the actual topic of the month is, at some point the group as a whole will end up mentioning pricing, talking about pricing, uh, wanting other people's considerations on their pricing, and so I, that's why we wanted to do an episode about this early on because it's such a loaded topic and there's so much to unpack.
0: Mm -hmm. There really is. And I think it really starts with where people get tripped up is that obviously pricing depends on a lot of different things. It depends on your experience. It depends on your target market. You know, are you doing budget clients? Are you doing more high-end clients? Um, But it also, I think the most important thing, and this is what trips people up, is that you you yourself as an individual have to figure out what you feel you are worth. Like how much money do you need to be bringing in and what is your time? How do you value your time? Right. And every time someone says, at least to my
2: ears, when someone says, what are you worth? It kind of brings up some other things. Like it's (laughs) not a lot
0: of feelings. It's a lot of,
2: yeah, there's (laughs) a lot of feels about it. Right. Because it's like, I, I think I'm worth a lot of money, Yeah, but I'm in year five of my business. When I was in year one of my business, I did not think I was worth so much, and that was a lot of things. That was maybe a lack of self esteem. I don't not maybe it was a lack of self esteem, a lack of knowledge of there was I didn't have very much social proof that I was good at my job, and so when someone comes at you and just says, "Well, charge what you're worth," it's really difficult to to ascertain really early in the process. Oh, yeah. You know, you're like, "Well, I don't know. Maybe I'm only worth five hundred dollars. I don't know." And you, it's hard at the beginning. It's okay not to know but there are ways to get there yes
0: definitely so I think that when you are figuring out what you want to charge at the beginning there's a couple of factors you need to take into consideration like first of all you need to aside from what you're worth like I mentioned you need to actually take a look at what your expenses are and how much money you need to be bringing in <laughs> in order to pay your bills because right. that's kind of important especially if you're if you're working a full-time job and you're you've Your true passion is your side hustle, so you can't spend, uh, you know, your full time working that side hustle job that you love while you're trying to get out of your nine to five. So you have to kind of look at like, okay, how much do I need to start taking in, bringing in with my side business in order to have it become my full time business?
2: Exactly. So you have to look at your fixed costs. Now, when you're just getting started, that might all that might only be, you know, the cost of your website, the cost of your web hosting. Um, some business cards, maybe a little bit of advertising. The cost might be fairly low when mm-hmm. you're starting. But as your business grows, your costs will grow. Um, you know, you probably have at some point you'll have independent contractors or employees, and your advertising budget will increase. Your marketing budget will increase. Um, just the supplies that you need probably will all go up. Mm-hmm. At least this has all been true for me. I started using a client management system. That's another payment. All these things that make your life easier, all the technology, all the little payments that add up every month, you have to account for all those things. And that, that becomes the fixed cost of doing business. If you're not at least meeting the fixed cost of doing business, then you actually don't have a business. What you have is a very expensive hobby.
0: (laughs) I love that. That's so true. It's true. Yeah, it's very true.
2: That's the first thing I tell everyone to look at when they're trying to determine pricing. Yes. Yes. Sit with yourself and figure out what do you think you're worth, but, but then take that and put that aside. Put your feelings aside and look at the hard numbers. My good mm-hmm. friend, Kristen Kaplan, uh, Kristen's a wedding planner in Nashville. She's also a wedding business educator. And she is, uh, she's kind of the, the guru of pricing for the wedding industry. She has a, a workbook called Pricing for Profit. Oh. And it literally breaks it down for you exactly what we're talking about. She says, list out your fixed costs right? List them all out and, and dig deep, right? Go back to your bank statement, especially if you've been in business for a while, all those little things add up, like your little plan 10 bucks a month, all those little things, right? That's a fixed Mm -hmm. cost. I mean, you're the things you buy at Staples, ink, paper, those are fixed costs. You can't do without them, right? So Mm -hmm. get it all on paper and it's going to probably take more than five minutes, get it all on paper. And then, you know, you have to reverse engineer it. You have to say how for at least if you're in, in events. In the event industry, wedding industry, how many events do I want to work a year? What do I need to What do I need to clear to break even? Mm -hmm. How much profit do I want to make? Back it up, right? You you don't want to work fifty two weeks a year, (laughs) right? You got to take a break in there somewhere, right? So you have to kind of reverse engineer it for yourself and work your way through it. And I'll tell you the first time I did that work with Kristen in that workbook. uh, This was back in the days of Periscope. So that am dating myself a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did it and I was shocked. I was like, oh, Lord, I'm not charging anywhere near enough money to make the amount of profit that I wanted to make. Like, certainly I was yeah. successful. I felt like I, there was money in the bank. There were clients coming in. I was doing my job well. But when I was thinking about getting ahead,
0: no, I wasn't there yet. And it was a real big wake up call. Wow. That's what a great resource. So we'll link that in the show notes on our on the, on the our website for RockyourWeddingbits.com. Uh, so people can access that for themselves. It's still available online, I'm assuming. Oh yeah, it's a. Uh, you can buy the PDFs that are just
2: walk you through it. I Got believe it. Kristen also does like a uh, like a little course about it too. If you kind of need a little more um, assistance going through it, which I recommend, Kristen's great. Can't big fan. Can't can't recommend her enough. Um, but yeah, the, you know the resources are out there for you. You don't have to do it alone, and you don't certainly don't have to guess. That's the worst.
0: Yeah. And it's such an intimidating subject that I feel like it's worth spending a couple dollars to have someone help guide you through it.
2: Absolutely. And the worst thing you can do for yourself, which is, and this is actually advice that I hear people giving in Facebook groups. So, you know, bless their hearts, is when people, especially new wedding planners, are like, I don't know what I should be charging. And someone says, Oh, well, ask around other wedding planners, see what they're charging, and then go slightly under. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, that made my stomach hurt. <laughs> I literally just heard it today, Uh, not heard it, I read it in a Facebook group today and I was like, no, and immediately I was like fast, furious fingers on the keyboard, like no, 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 because here's the thing, especially if you're starting out as a wedding planner, and I say wedding planner always because that's my frame of reference, right? When you're starting out as a wedding planner, certainly you cannot be charging what the pros in your market are charging because you do not have the experience or the knowledge base or the social proof, and I get it. And I I super get it, and mm-hmm. I would never tell anyone right out of the gate to start charging ten thousand dollars a wedding because you'll you'll kill yourself. The, the, mm-hmm. You won't. It will not be a successful business model for you. Mm-hmm. However, if you are brand new to the industry and you're starting from scratch, you can still charge a competitive rate for your services and not undercut everyone else in your market because that is the fast way to become the most hated person in your market. Even if you live in a big market like Los Angeles, where we all are. I can tell you on one hand, the girls who are undercharging in my market, I know all of them. Mm-hmm. I got my eyes on them because I want to see what's up, right? How long they can continue because either they'll go out of business or they will swiftly raise their prices. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's in this industry, we're, we're going to talk about being friends with vendors and referrals in in a different episode. But in this industry, you, you have to make friends. <laughs> you can't make enemies. Yep. <laughs> I mean, listen, the
2: wedding industry, especially is it's a people business. Yeah. It is all about people. It is about your relationships, first and foremost. I know everyone wants to think it's about their couples. On some level, sure. But ultimately, once that couple is gone, the people that you work with repeatedly are your vendors, Mm -hmm. are your other creative team members, and
0: you cannot screw them. Yeah. It's kind of like being in an office with coworkers. You know, if you see someone every day from nine to five, you're not going to want to you know, make enemies with those people that you have to see all the time. And you're going to see the same people at weddings and events over and over again. All the same people, especially. And here's
2: the thing. You want to see those same people over and over because then, you know, they're invested in their business as well. True. Yeah. You know, you want to keep seeing those same people everywhere. You're like, oh, look at this person. They're working, they're hustling. And hopefully they're raising their prices accurate, you know, accurately when their
0: experience um, level rises. I actually want to talk about that for a second, if I can, um, because you you had a method when you were first starting out that I actually adopted when I launched Joy Social, where you kind of started out at a base price, and then you had like a, and, and you can refresh my memory, but you had like a set a set amount of events or a set amount, and then once you got those done, you would then bump up your pricing. Do you want to talk about that for a second? Yeah,
2: sure. So I, when I started five years ago, when I started my business, I had a lot of negative money mindsets. Like looking back, I'm like, oh man, like I could really see where, you know, just where my brain was at the time. And so when I started, I definitely had the feeling of like, well, I can't charge a lot. There are people in my industry that have been doing this forever. Like I don't want to step on any toes. And so what I decided to do, and this was five years ago, mind you. So now I would obviously be starting at a higher Price because times have changed a little, but back when I started, I did my first, I did my very first wedding. If I'm super honest, i my very first wedding. I charged six hundred dollars for, mm-hmm. and that is because they hired me a week before the wedding. Oh, uh, I had just launched my business. I had literally just launched my website. So I launched my website on April first, and that wedding was April seventh. I launched my website literally the next day. I got an inquiry. I was like, what is happening? Oh. It was a referral from a friend who was also a wedding planner who couldn't do the gig. Mm-hmm. She said, "Well, Renee just started. I'm sure she's available on on Saturday." And I was. Uh, I met them at a coffee shop. They said, "We only have $600." I said, "That sounds fine." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because I just was just happy to have a job. Yeah, uh, and so I was like, "Great, let's do it." And so that was $600. And then the very next wedding I booked. Um was still like a coordination like a smaller package wedding, and I charged a thousand dollars and I knew that I couldn't stay at a thousand because at that time most wedding planners for coordination were charging about fifteen, yeah. so I knew I was undercutting, but I knew I couldn't stay on in that undercutting position. So what I decided to do was every three weddings I booked, I raised my price, and so I didn't actually wait to execute all the weddings because some of them were quite far in the future. I figured every three weddings, I would bump my price up. So I never have had my prices on my website. That is a personal decision I've always made. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that putting out your price before they understand the value is really detrimental in a service-based business. People don't understand what we what I do for a living. And so putting a price on a website, people just go, oh, I can't afford it. Or, or I don't think it's worth that. Well, how do they know? They don't have even met me. Mm-hmm. So I did my first wedding at 600. I did the next at 1,000 then I bumped up to 1,200. I booked three weddings at 1,200, then I bumped up to 15. And then you were on par with... And then I was on par. And I and I think it maybe took me like four months to book those weddings in between. So I wasn't below value or below the industry standard at that time for very long. Mm-hmm. I, I was very aware of what other people were doing. But I also remember very clearly having a discussion with uh, with the wedding planner friend who had given me that first wedding where I said to her, well, I'm at 1200 right now. And I feel like that's all I can charge. And she said, why? And I said, I don't, I don't really know. <laughs> and she's like, you need to sit with yourself and figure out why you feel like that's your ceiling, because that in no way should be your ceiling. You are going to anger people if that's your ceiling. Yeah. And I was like, thank you for telling me. And let me go sit with myself in a dark, quiet room and figure out why I have so many money blocks. Um, And I did, you know, and then I just thought, listen, if nobody books me at 15, then I need to get better at what I'm doing. But people did and and they always will. That's the thing. Someone will always meet you where you are if you are if you're willing to put in the work and you get better at selling. You know, we can't talk about pricing really without talking about selling. And that's also another dirty word in our industry. But it's true. You have to get comfortable with selling your services. Yeah, I completely agree. And then after, you know, after that fifteen hundred mark, I stayed there for a little bit and then, you know, I bumped up I think it maybe it was another six weddings and I bumped up to seventeen and I, I get I'm up there. You know, I got my way up. Now I'm charging three thousand for coordination. Well, well, I call it wedding management, but other people would call it coordination. Mm-hmm. And, and that's pretty much at the I think I'm at the high middle of what people are charging
0: for that in LA. Yeah. Well, after five years in the industry and five years of experience and several happy couples under your yeah. belt, then yeah.
2: Yeah. That's great. But you know, I also feel like I'm providing 3000 or more in value. Absolutely. Of course. But I think you always have to consider, um, you always kind of want to over, under promise and over deliver, but you also want to consider that what you're giving them is valuable at that price point for the right client. Of course, there's so many things that go into pricing you. Know, it's, it's hard to just make a blanket statement, especially in a service-based business. But that is what I'll say is that you have to kind of, you have to know where you're going goal-wise with the money. And Kristen's workbook, again, will help you see where you need to be ultimately to make the kind of money you want.
0: Yeah. Cool. Thanks for sharing that because I remember you talking about that. And then when I launched Joy Social, I kind of had the same thing where I was like, you know, I do more of an hourly consulting. I have a couple packages, but I, I do more of an hourly, uh, I have an hourly rate and, um, I had a friend once when I was first starting out with Joy Social and trying to figure out what I should price myself. And my friend was just like, "Well, I wouldn't do any type of consulting for under a hundred dollars an hour." And like it, it made my my heart drop and my stomach turn because I was just like, "I don't think I could ever charge someone a hundred dollars an hour." And he's just like, "Well, how long have you been blogging? How long you've been doing all this? Like, this is you have valuable information to give to people." And I was just like, oh, "I think I'll start at forty dollars an hour." Wait, can I can I ask you something? Yes, please. That was a man that said that to you? It was. See? It's so easy for them and it's so hard for us. Why? Because we're conditioned to be nice and to be gentle
2: and to to give it all away for free. Men don't have the same problems with money that women have. I I know that's controversial. I'm just going to say it plain that I know that to be true. My husband yeah. is also a freelancer and when he makes his the deals for the work that he does it's not wedding industry related at all although he is co-owner of Moxie Bright. Um I hear him on the phone making his deals and he's just like this is what it's going to cost man. And it's just plain there's no feeling about it. It is just what it is and he and he generally like 99% of the time he gets what he wants. It's just yeah. it's a difference in the in our culture I think and I I
0: fight against it all the time. Yeah. And I think, and part of my issue is that, well, when I was working in an office, I was working for the insurance industry, I was making somewhere around, uh, 30 or $35 an hour. So I just feel like, well, that's what someone else thought I was, my time was worth. And that was a, that was a decent salary. Um, I was, I was very content when I was living the single life and, and making that kind of money for myself. Uh, but for some reason, you know, I don't, obviously I have more expenses if I'm, if my salary is paying for my office and my lighting and my heating, all the things that my, my insurance company, but that I worked for, you know, they paid for all those things. I didn't have to take that out of my own pocket when I was at the office working, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so those are all things to consider when you are doing your, you're calculating the type of money that you need. So of course you would charge higher than what corporate America would pay you. Of course, but I still, yeah, it was hard. I'm happy to say that I have now made it to the $100 an hour mark. Yay! <laughs> <I> finally, got, <laughs> finally got comfortable with it. And I did the same process that you did. I, you know, I I took a couple clients at 40 an hour, and then I bumped it up. I think maybe to 50, and then maybe to 75, and then now I'm at 100. Yeah,
2: and I think if that's what you have to do to get comfortable charging what what you should be charging, then yes, take those baby steps. You know, um. At the time, it's what felt right to me. Uh, I would still recommend it for those who are starting out. I would even recommend it for those who aren't starting out but who want to level up. Yeah, you know, if you if you want to up your pricing, I think two things have to happen. You have to get your mindset correct, what in whatever that means for you, to be able to receive the higher amount of money for your services mm-hmm. or your products. And two, you probably have to upgrade your collateral materials. And by that, I mean, you probably have to do a little zhuzh to your website. You probably got to get your social media game on a little stronger. You have to put yourself out there in a way that makes you seem more of an expert because people will pay top dollar for expert level Mm -hmm. things and services. But if you're still positioning yourself as just someone who does this for fun or, or this is just my little wedding business, then you're not going to command top dollar. You know, Mindy Weiss isn't Mindy Weiss because she's a shy flower. That's (laughs) not, that's not how. I mean you know Mindy's lovely, she's a lovely, lovely person, but she commands a room, she commands respect she she knows what she's worth,
0: yeah, definitely, and I'm sure on day one, Mindy wasn't like that like how she is now, i mean maybe she no, i'm sure she maybe she now. has that type of personality, and she's kind of always been been that way, but I'm sure on day one it wasn't she didn't just walk into a room and and charge a hundred thousand dollars for a no. wedding. In fact, I know she did not
2: because one of my clients last year who I did a wedding for, uh, that bride was Mindy's first client, Mindy's first bat mitzvah. You're
0: kidding. I'm not kidding. That's some kind of claim to fame. (laughs) (laughs) Some dubious. I planned the wedding of Mindy Weiss's first client. client Of a celebrity wedding planner. That's so funny.
2: Yeah. And I was like, tell me everything about (laughs) Mindy. I'm just kidding. I love her. And I wanted to hear like, what was she like at her first wedding? They're like, she was great. She was competent. And you know what I mean? Like they were like, no, we loved her, but this isn't her kind of wedding. Like it was an at home Beverly Hills estate wedding, you know, backyard kind of luxury, like a, like a, like a luxe backyard um, garden party kind of wedding. I was just, you know, I was, I love those clients. They, I get to do a lot of events with them. So they're, they're my favorite, but they do know everybody. Sure. And so, uh, yeah. So they were like, Oh Yeah. Mindy, was our, Mindy was our first wedding planner, our first event
0: planner. That's so funny. <laughs> it's a small world. Yeah, uh, it just goes to show that yeah, everyone has to start off somewhere, um, and you got to work your way up, and that's just what it is. I want to talk a little bit about pricing strategy. I know we talked a little bit about mindset,
2: and about but we talked a little bit about strategy with the bumping up the prices. But you know, for wedding planners, especially if I've got my planners listening, there tends to be a um, you know a few methods of of how we charge our clients. So there's the flat rate, which is what I employ. I, I have a flat rate that I charge my all of my clients. They come to me, we do a consult. Mm-hmm. I, tell, I ask them a million questions about their wedding. And at the end, because I've been doing this for so long, uh, I can pretty much determine how many hours it will take me to execute this wedding vision for them. I kind of can already know how many emails they'll probably send me. And what that will look like on the day of and if I'll need extra assistance and, and all that good stuff. And then I just put together a nice package price for them that includes like a custom proposal of everything we talked about. And and I just give them one price because mm-hmm. I feel like in my mind, the wedding planning or the wedding planner should be the easiest contract to sign. It should be the easiest. Yes. Right. I want to meet them where they are. If they tell me they don't want welcome bags and they don't want me to handle their RSVPs, fine. Then I won't put that in the proposal. Mm hmm and that's why I do everything custom. And I like the I personally like the flat fee because it, it's easier for me as well, you know. Now, the caveat to that is that sometimes you're wrong. <laughs> sometimes things will change throughout the planning process, especially if it's a long process, and in the end you're like, "Wow, I did a lot more work than what I what I had quoted them." Yeah. And I'm not going to lie and say that that hasn't happened to me over the years. It certainly has. I now have in my contract or I've had it in my contract for like 2 years, I have a change of scope clause. And that is for, just say I'm working with someone for like two years, right? Which is long. I typically don't do that. I typically do, the longest I'll do is like 15 to 18 months before the wedding. But let's say we have that 18 month timeframe, say. Mm -hmm. And in the course of that timeframe, they book one venue, then they decide they don't like it and they Mm -hmm. book another venue. And in, in essence, we're kind of starting over because maybe we've done a design board already, or maybe we've done, I've started to, sketch out the rental order already and we have to start over at a new venue I will charge a fee for that now because that is a change of scope that's a change in the scope of the work yeah Um, come to me and say we're inviting 100 people and in the end they end up with 250 people that's That's, a change of scope that's different yeah right and and I have contingencies built into my contract for those things now and that's one way to to do a flat fee and still cover your butt in the end if you need to
0: okay I like Uh, that
2: so that's generally what I employ. Now there's other there are other models. Um, Valerie Gernhauser is a wedding planner out of New Orleans, and she had started a few years ago, again, back in the back in the Periscope age. She had done a presentation about what she does, which is a combination of a flat fee and a percentage base. And to be to be very transparent, I have not taken Valerie's course where she teaches this model, but I am familiar with it enough, I think, to speak to it a little bit. what Valerie does is that she takes a flat rate percentage. I'm sorry, a flat rate for her like event management fee. So that day the day of execution. And I believe she charges like twenty five hundred for that. And then on top of that, she takes a design fee. And that is a percentage of the budget. So, say they come mm. in with a hundred thousand dollar budget. I don't know if this is true, but maybe she'll take a five thousand dollar design fee. Yeah. Right. So we've got five thousand for design, twenty five hundred for management, and then she takes a percentage. I think it's like two percent. Maybe that's maybe that's wrong. Like a little percentage on every other contract that the clients sign. So that oh. means the catering contract, the cake, the entertainment, the any contract that she has to deal with, anything she has to look at, negotiate, talk to the vendor, anything like that. So even sometimes the dress, if she's involved in the dress process of like, you know, going to the fittings or whatever, anything Valerie touches, she takes a percentage of.
0: That's really interesting. So like for an example, if someone hires a band and they pay $5,000 for the band, she'll take a small percentage of what that band contract is worth that contract is worth uh, on top of the contract as a separate fee because she needs to coordinate with the band and do work with the band correct okay that's really interesting yeah and and
2: i it's been going around the industry for a few years she's been teaching it Mm -hmm. Um, i know that there are many planners who have have successfully implemented Uh, i think there's a few in our market who do it that way um it you know it's it's something that has always interest has interested me i don't know that i'm I don't know that I feel comfortable enough with it to do it that way. I feel like the, um, the caveats there can be in my mind that your client could say, well, you're running up these, these contracts so that you can get a higher percentage. Well, hopefully you have a trust with your client. So they know that's not the case.
0: Yeah, I would hope so. Otherwise it's probably not a good client fit.
2: (laughs) Correct. But I can see that some people saying like, oh, well you want me to hire the $10,000 band as opposed to the $8,000 band because you'll get Mm. more money. Now that's not the way I work. Like I don't, really work in kickbacks either so so that's not that's kind of a foreign thing to me but I also feel like unless you have that down to a science and perhaps this is something that Valerie teaches in her course I don't want to say you know I don't really I don't know what's in the course but it seems to be a lot of paperwork (laughs) like
0: a lot of math I was gonna say for like from my end it just seems like a lot to keep uh, tabs on yes it does to me
2: as well but I do know that it has been successful for wedding planners to just make them more money because they are literally
0: getting they're getting paid for all the actual work yeah. you know it makes sense that if you have I mean it, it makes sense to charge more if you have to deal with five other different vendors on the wedding versus just dealing directly with the couple
2: yeah I mean there are some I did a wedding a few months ago at the Natural History Museum and I think we had something like 14 vendors yeah and it's a lot it's a lot and then most you know most weddings have five or six some weddings have less. So you kind of you don't really know when you get started how many people you're going to be working with in the end. You have an idea, but you don't really know. Um, I will say for the for my history wedding, like I was very appropriately you know compensated. I don't I have no uh, no qualms about that. But I did at the end think, oh wow, there's a lot of people here. Yeah, oh
0: (laughs) this was a lot of work. (laughs) This was a lot of work.
2: This one, I mean, it was one of the highlights of the year. So I'm happy, totally happy to have done it. But yeah, I was like, oh there's a lot of vendors here. A lot of people calling my name. On the day, of. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, I'm just wondering if, yeah, you know, I'm trying to think of how this st- that style of pricing, could be applied to other uh, people in the wedding industry, like photographers or florists, or yeah, you know, we mentioned bands or DJs or officiants. Like, I feel like everyone, I feel like most people, and maybe wedding, wedding planners or event planners are the exception here, but most people are just going to have. A few different packages on their website that they offer, or even just maybe a flat rate um, every single time, and um, it obviously it seems like that's the the easiest route to go. Although sometimes you might find that you're not being, at the end of the day, you're not being fairly compensated for the amount of work that you put in. Yeah, I see that a lot. Um, well,
2: I, I, there's a few things. I think photographers, photographers, I think are the Biggest offenders, haha, of trading uh, time for dollars, mm. right? Yeah, and that is something I think we need to get away from totally in the wedding industry. It's like our clients don't really understand if they're going to. They don't know. Will they need you for eight hours or ten hours or twelve hours? Mm-hmm. Like they don't know. They don't know that a, that an average wedding is six hours and that a long one is eight, mm-hmm. and that they probably need you for ten because they want to do getting ready photos. They don't know that when they book you. Yeah, you know. But, but in the end, all the, I I mean, every, almost every photographer I know is saying, well, I have an eight hour package and 10 hour, 12 hour package. And so clients are thinking, wow, that 12 hour package is $10,000. I can't believe it's that much money. But then what, what they're not telling you, because it's not a, a thing that we talk about with our clients is how much work goes into that behind the scenes.
0: Yeah. Behind the scenes. And then with photographers, especially there is a lot of equipment to purchase an expensive equipment and and it's expensive to maintain it too yeah you have to maintain it you have to get it serviced you have to replace it every Mm -hmm. now and then Um, you have to have insurance on all of your stuff because if you drop it what happens Um, yeah so I think photographers especially uh, it's it's one of the industries where the the public is not being properly educated on the expense that goes into being a photographer and it drives me bonkers when I'm on a Facebook page or in a Facebook group and someone says I have a client and they need a photographer and their budget is $800 and there's people lining up to give these people (laughs) to do this wedding and I'm like I know stop it I know
2: and it it kills me too when it's a it's in the desert because I did not realize this but I was recently told that if you do a wedding in the desert if one grain of sand gets into the lens everything has to be taken apart and cleaned professionally
0: oh that's same with the beach then yeah oh my gosh one grain of sand so photographers up your prices <laughs> that's what, right what up we're your saying. prices up your prices
2: or you know what i think they should do i mean of course i can say this cuz i'm not a photographer is i would love to see photographers move to like a I know there's one photographer I worked with a few years ago. He has his day rate. His day is an unlimited amount of hours. Mm. has like, I'm just going to be there from the time you want me to the time I go home. He charges like $12,000 and that's the end. Yeah, that's it. get You get an album, you get all the bells and whistles that you think you should get for that price point. But he doesn't like micromanage this BS about like, well, you have to do cake cutting before 10 because I'm leaving at 10. It's like, he's just going to be there. And you know what the day of, he was there until like midnight. Mm-hmm. He got photos of the couple on the dance floor during the last dance. Yeah. Now that was something that was important to them, but it's easy. It's easier for him because he's getting paid what he's worth or, you know, his value his Mm -hmm. what he needs to live. Mm -hmm. And he, and he's not dealing with the minutiae.
0: Yeah. I like it. That just seems like a really easy way to go instead of going back and forth with a client trying to, you know, micromanage what the time, you know, when you're going to show up, what time you need to leave, how many hours you really need, like explaining, explaining to the client, you know, and, and we're talking about photography here, but this could be, you know, any, any type of industry where you're trying to explain to the client, this is why I'm charging what I charge just to be like, Hey, this is my rate. I have the one rate. I have the one package. This is what you get. And if you, if you, if it's not for you, then it's not for you. Yeah.
2: I mean, it certainly is not going to work for everyone, but for this particular photographer, he's very, he's very busy. He's, you know, he's very active. I always see him working and I get it. He makes it easy. you know. Clients don't want to have to think too hard. Yeah. And also, let me just add this. For all the wedding planners out there that are naming their packages cutesy names, like with this ring and having to hold, your clients don't know what that means. And also, they probably don't care. Yeah. When I was booking my wedding planner, uh, she had those cutesy names. And I remember looking at it, my eyes glazing over. And then I just said to her on a call, what's the one that's like wedding coordination plus design? And she was like, that's called blah blah blah. And I was like, that's the one I want. Like I could I could not deal with the names and the deciphering. And everyone I spoke to had different cutesy names for their packages. I personally hate that. I hate it. You're confusing your clients for no reason. It's not cute. It's not making them think about it extra hard for you. It's just making it annoying. Yeah. I'm a that's my two cents. I'm
1: a big
0: fan of package number one, package number two. Yeah,
1: just three. call it what
2: it is, man. I have two packages. You want to know what they're called? Wedding planning and wedding management. Sweet and simple and to the point. That's what it is. I'm not trying to junk it up with like the silver package. No one cares. Yeah. They don't care. The platinum. It makes them feel, no, it doesn't. It just
0: confuses them. Yeah, I hear you. And I agree. Just keep it simple for the client and price what you're worth and get paid. Ha uh-huh. We'll talk about how to get paid on another episode.
2: <laughs> <laughs> as as, a, as in like how to do contracts and how to make payment as
0: easy as possible. Yes. It is 2018. Yes, because it's, uh, it's ever changing with, um, you know, payment options and how people, you know, PayPal and Venmo and whatever. Yes. Bitcoin. Oh, I don't know. I did. I Bitcoin.
1: God
2: help oh. us. Uh.
0: I didn't mention the final
2: uh, or one of the other pricing methodologies in wedding planning is that you can just do a, a percentage. Oh yes. So you you just say you're like you ask your client what their budget is if it's if it's a a solid budget, yeah. right? And they say yeah. okay, so we have a hundred thousand dollars, and you say great, I'm going to take ten percent of that, and that's my fee, or twelve percent. And a lot of I know a lot of uh, high end planners do that as well. Caveat to that, obviously, is what if the budget goes up, you have to have contingency in your contract so that if the budget increases, so does your price. And a lot of times, you know, especially with a lower budget client, they don't really know in the beginning what they're going to end up spending. And a lot of times I'll tell people in the consult, like they'll explain their wedding to me or what their vision is. And I say, okay, great. Well, you said you have 50, but that wedding is 90. The one you just described to me. (laughs) And they say, oh my God, that can't be true. I said, trust me, it's going to be true. In the particular case of this one client, they hired me and it absolutely was true almost to the penny uh, because I know what I'm doing. But also if I were to only had charged 10% of their initial budget then I, you know, I would have been out to dry.
0: So yeah, so that's a good lesson.
2: Yeah. And in cases like that, with my flat rate, I actually charged them a flat rate on what I thought their budget would be in the end because I saw it happening. And they took it. They they hired you? They hired me. But, you know, it's they very easily could have said that's ridiculous. Yeah. That's out of line with our budget. But I think they, they did believe me, obviously, because they hired me when I said to them, look, I know that you have an idea of what you want to spend, but that's what you're describing to me. Is not at all in line with what you have in mind. Yeah, budget wise, and they, you know, they figured it out. We worked on it,
0: and I feel like that's something that comes with experience on your end. Um, yes, and I'm, I'm guessing we, I, we, we're going to wrap up this episode soon, but I'm guessing that you learned that from experience.
2: <laughs> oh yes, I learned that the hard way. I learned that the hard way of doing the financials after a wedding and after paying my assistant and paying for incidentals and. You know, at one point buying pizza for vendors because there wasn't enough food. And I was like, oh, I made like two hundred dollars on this wedding. Yeah. Right. And so and that was a truth. That's a true. That's true. I was yeah. like, I made two hundred dollars on this wedding. And, you know, that was not enough for the kind of life I would like to oh, have.
0: Yeah, And for the hours you put into it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And and also you need to consider long-term growth, right? You can't be making a $200 profit on every wedding and expect to have a bigger, better company in a year because you're not going to get anywhere that way. We could talk about this forever and ever, Uh, but we hope we gave you, we could, and there'll be, there'll be more episodes with other, with guests that will dive into some of these topics a little bit more, but for now we just wanted to give a, A quick overview.
0: overview (laughs) And and I think that just to put kind of like a a cap on this episode is that uh, pricing is difficult. You're not alone. (laughs) If it's scary, you're not alone. Everyone is scary. And raise your prices.
2: Raise your prices and go to kristenkaplan.com and get her pricing workbook and at least do the work for yourself. That will probably be a little bit shocking so that you understand what you should be charging. Mm -hmm to make the kind of profit and to have the kind of life you want.
0: And print that out and hang it somewhere in your office so that you can see it and remind yourself when someone tries to negotiate pricing with you, you can look at that and say like, nope, I can't uh, pay my mortgage this next month if uh, <laughs> that's the type of rate that you're going to give me. So It's true.
2: You know, the hardest thing to say is no, but the easiest thing to say is no once you have your goals aligned.
0: I love that. Say that again.
2: The hardest thing to say is no, but the easiest thing to say is no once you have your bu- your goals aligned. I love that so much. Get your mind right
0: and everything else will follow. All right. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Renee. This was a good episode. Hopefully we helped Thanks, you guys man. out. And if you have any questions about pricing, feel free to reach out to us. You can visit our website at rockyourweddingbiz.com. Leave us a comment. Uh, Find us on Instagram at rockyourweddingbiz and uh, let us know your thoughts. We'd love to hear from you. And we'll see you next time. See you next time, guys. Bye.
1: Thank you for listening to Rock Your Wedding Biz. This episode is sponsored by Moxie Bright Events, wedding planning for creative couples and industry education for creative event planners. Also sponsored by Joy Social, teaching smart social media strategies for awesome business owners. You can find Renee online at moxiebrightevents.com and ReneeDallow.com. You can find Mindy online at JoySocial.net. Jump into the show notes at RockYourWeddingBiz.com. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time on Rock Your Wedding Biz.